holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunner Blog. Good morning to you, James. Good morning, Andrew. How are you? How are you? I'm all right. I'm not too bad, actually. Yeah, mm. I, uh, I'm, I'm certainly hungover uh, because last night I was at a wedding. Right. It was a, it was a hell of a. It was a hell of a wedding. Um, I mean, it's been a strange weekend in London. It's yes, fair to of course. Say, of course. Uh, what with what with the events, but it was lovely yesterday to go and celebrate two of my fr- two friends of mine getting married in a brilliant beautiful environment in central london with flamingos there i mean I, I don't i don't think you can say fairer than that really i don't think so i've never been to a wedding with flamingos ever no i don't know who invited them I, maybe they were wedding crashers <laughs> uh, no, no they they were it was at this place called kensington roof gardens it's very fancy indeed so it's on a roof and um yeah they they were just flamingos wandering around big what? animals bigger than i thought really i've no real concept mm. of the size of flamingos, really. Uh, you know, they're they're birds, so I don't particularly like birds. So I would, generally speaking, try and stay away from flamingos. But I don't live right. in an environment where where that's an issue. Well, neither did I until yesterday. I mean, they're, they're, they're bigger than a stork. If that's for context, it's, they're bigger than a stork. And okay. it's painted pink. All right, but smaller than an ostrich. Yeah, I'd say so. But they're closer to an ostrich than a pigeon. Right. Well, that's, I think that's cleared everything up perfectly. <laughs> well, look, I'm, I'm, yeah, good. Well, look, it's nice to have a, uh, an occasion, an event with, uh, with good people and love and everything mm. else after what's happened this weekend in London. And, of course, uh, you know, it, it resonates with not just the people who live there, but everyone who follows this football club because, because of uh, Arsenal being a London club. So we offer uh, sympathies to everybody who's affected and best wishes to those who are still recovering. Uh, and hopefully they will uh, they will come through and uh, come out of it uh, in good health. Um, yeah, it's pretty pretty awful. Um, it really does. It makes you it makes you just I don't know. It makes your head hurt thinking about things like that and thinking about uh, the damage that people are willing to inflict upon one another uh, for no good reason whatsoever. So uh, you know, it's uh, yeah. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> No, it, it is awful, and you know, especially, you know, it, it, for me, it's obviously really close to home. Mm. Obviously, I know, you know, you've got a big affiliation with London too. I mean, any Arsenal fan will feel that affiliation, and it's a, it's a great city, and it could be any city. I suppose that's the, the, the frightening thing about it, and and the, the sort of really upsetting thing, obviously, is that you know, of course, it's it's 
it's terribly tragic what's happened, and that's that's one thing. But also the fact that it's it's something that you know uh, in the aftermath it becomes a thing which divides people in mm. another way, you know. And and I think on, honestly, like obviously, fuck the perpetrators and fuck the people who stir up those feelings in people and the agitators, but also. Fuck some of the coverage, fuck the media, fuck the way that things like this are kind of hijacked to push people further apart and polarise people further at a time when really, you know, people ought to be coming together and are coming together Mm. all the time. But it's just really frustrating, isn't it, to see how something so terrible and so tragic then becomes a, a, a tool to widen the gap between mm. people. And, and that's exactly what's intended. You know? Yeah, of course, a thing to be exploited. Um, but I mean, I think as well at times like this, you all, you all, you know, it's, it's easy to, to focus on those things and to, um, you know, because they're so front and center, because they're sort of in your face, it's hard to escape yeah. them. But also what maybe flies under the radar a little bit is that the, the basic goodness of most people becomes uh, very obvious and very apparent in the way that they help one another and the way they look after each other in the way that they will bend over backwards to, to try and uh, help mend some of the scars at events like this. Um, inflict upon not just people but society and to to everyone because everybody ultimately ends up being affected by things like this because it has an impact on the way that we live our lives or are allowed live our lives or the restrictions that are placed upon us because of security measures whatever it might be but i think you know for the most part um people really do try and help and and i think that's the the positive message we can take from it if there is a positive to take from something like this. Exactly. And I, well, I think you have to, I mean, uh, you know, it's obviously not a positive situation, but you have to look for them where you can find them. And I think it, it, it is hard because obviously what events like this do, they destabilise, they, you know, take away security in your everyday life. You know, places like London Bridge, you know, I, I'm there relatively frequently. And yeah. what does it out that rug from underneath you of security and makes you question your choices, makes you question the things you do every single day. But you have to try... Uh, and be stronger than that. Otherwise, you know, there's a there's a kind of victory for for the perpetrators in that. You have to try and carry on with your life. And what London is fantastic at is doing just that. And yeah. I think there's a lot of cliches and stereotypes about that. But genuinely, if you go about this city today, if you go about it even even yesterday, it is amazing to see the way people are getting on with their business. And Londoners are never that friendly, <laughs> but they're, they're a little bit friendlier than normal at the moment. And uh, I, I think that's you know. There is something to be derived from that. Definitely. Sure, sure, and you know it goes without saying that as a city, it is one of the most uh, diverse, one of the most um, interesting. It's a it's a real melting pot of a city um, with mm. people from from all over the world. And you know we saw it last weekend when we were uh, over there for the. Uh, for the FA Cup final, uh, you know, whether it was at the game, at the podcast we did, uh, at the pub afterwards, on the way to the game, from the game, you know, it was people from all over the world, of every creed, of every colour, of every religion, of no religion whatsoever. And, uh, you know, there's, uh, that's, that's what it should be about. And that's what it will be about. It will continue like that, of course. Um, and, you know, the, the, the idea that, you know, we, we will not be beaten and we've got to carry on with our lives, absolutely, it's fine. But, you know, you can also be, uh, you can also be sad and you can be afraid and it's, yeah. it's, you can have all those feelings. You don't have to exist in one, just one bubble. You know, you can, it's, uh, it's complicated. But uh, as I said, hopefully um, 
the people who are recovering do recover and make a full recovery and uh, sympathies to those who lost their lives, friends and families uh, of those affected. So there you go. I don't know. I don't know what else we can say. No, I don't, I don't know what else we can. And I mean, you know, that's obviously uh, dominating everyone's everyone's thoughts here at the moment. But yeah, all you can do is send your, your wishes and your thoughts to the people who, who've lost people and certainly those recovering too. Mm. And yeah, I, as you say, fingers crossed that as many of them as possible do make a, a full recovery. Mm. It does It does in some ways make it difficult to just, just segue on to something else to talk about football, to talk about mm. Arsenal, but, you know, um, that's what we're here for. The show must go on and everything else, and that's the reality. The world keeps turning uh, when things like this happen, um, life goes on. So we'll go on with this uh, with this particular podcast. Um, I suppose people will be uh, pleased to know that you're not well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, our transfer business, uh, you know, stands better is in better stead now that I've got something wrong with me. Yeah. I mean, I've, I mean, am I just unlucky? Andrew, am I just unlucky I, or I, am I... Do you think there's some sort of autoimmune deficiency going on? I, What's your guess? I don't know. I, you know, part of me thinks that you are just unfortunate, but then there's another part of me that goes, you're quite, you're, you're quite sickly. If you're, <laughs> if, you're a sm- <laughs> if you're a small child and you had all these things, like, oh, he's a terrible sickly child. He really is. Yeah, you know, yeah, he, yeah, the runt of the litter. Yeah, you, you would have in- to like stay in your bedroom all summer long. You'd be the one like looking out the window, <laughs> j- just reading a, yeah. f- a, a battered Enid Blyton book somewhere, looking at all the other kids out having a good time, uh, playing football, and you're, you're, you've got rheumatism or you've got you know a, a, a dropsy or a whoopy lung or something. You wouldn't be able to go outside. Whoopy <laughs> lung. I don't know. That's exactly it. Uh, yeah. In in Victorian times, I would have stood no chance. There's no chance I'm making it past about nine or ten. Uh, yeah. The fact that I'm alive is kind of a modern miracle. Um, uh, thank you to you know science. Hooray for science! Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but what's wrong with me at the moment is I flew to Greece and I flew back from Greece, um, which was all you know terribly exciting. But mm. on, on both legs of the journey. My, I, I sort of have had a bit of a cold. There you go, the whoopy cough or mm-hmm. whatever it might be. Uh, whoopy lung. And I, my ears just like clogged up, pop. you know, you know when your yeah, ears pop? But yeah, like yeah, they, yeah. they never popped, they never popped. And um, it happened after about 24 hours, they finally cleared in Greece. But it's been about five days or something <laughs> in, right. in Britain. And no hearing on one side. People keep talking to me, I have to... Turn my head. I, I need one of those Victorian ear trumpets. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like uh, something I hold to my ear, like an old wizened man in yeah, some yeah. sort of comedia oh dell'arte thing. Um, it's a bit like someone putting a fishbowl on your head. Um, it's a really surreal thing. But you know, I've got headphones on and I've turned you right up, so oh, this that's podcast good. is going to be that's fine. Good. Yeah. That, well, that's this is the good. first conversation I've had for a week. <laughs> Just, yeah, everything to... Yeah. Um, Don't do that, because honestly, that scares me, because that has what is what it's been like. It's it's marginally better now, but that's basically what it's been like for a week. Well, I would say, if it doesn't get any better uh, soon, uh, you might want to see the doctor, but... Uh... <laughs> It would be more difficult to do this podcast if I go fully deaf. That is for sure. That really would be. The questions and answers section in particular would be... particular. <laughs> be a lot of pauses. <laughs> and I would just be guessing. I would just be guessing. I'd be like, um, three three at the back. Is it three at the back? Yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, okay, our best 11. No, James? No, yeah. Um, yeah. It would be good. Uh, anyway. So anyway, so I guess be- because that's happening, I guess that means we're going to sign Kylian Mbappe. It seems... 
it seems any other uh, outcome would be implausible at this point, uh, given, <laughs> given what's going on. I mean, that was, I suppose, the, the big news from last week, um, apart from, of course, Arsene Wenger signing his new contract, uh, which must have come as a big surprise to you. And I didn't get a chance to talk to you because you were away. But, you know, um, yeah, I mean, very quickly, any thoughts on that? Um, I mean, I, I think sort of what I tweeted was saying that in the circumstances, it was kind of the, the most sensible option, but the circumstances w- were a fucking joke. And I, and I sort of stand by that. <laughs> I, I still think it was like, you know, it, I, I, I don't think we had much choice. I mean, we would have been absolutely scrabbling around for a manager, but really I think the conversations between owner and manager and chief executive that happened in the wake of the FA Cup final ought to have happened, you know, months before that mm. in an ideal world. And, 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 and I think probably my preferred outcome would probably have been that they ended in uh, the board saying, OK, well, we're going to look for a new manager and we're going to have a process of due diligence doing that and, uh, you know, a series of interviews and <laughs> identify the right guy. I know it sounds absurd, doesn't it? It sounds absurd. almost like appointing someone for a proper job. Yeah. Uh, that would have been, I think, the right thing for the club, uh, but given that that didn't happen and it dragged on and on, I don't know how much choice we really had. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look, I, the, the the whole thing, um, when we look back at it as part of the Arsene Wenger era, but also in the, the annals of Arsenal Football Club, I think it's one of those things that we will look back on and say, whatever the outcome was, the way it was handled was fucking shambolic. For too long, it was allowed drag on for too long. Whatever went on behind the scenes that prevented clarity um, being given during the season or a decision being made in a more timely fashion, whatever those things were, um, they, yeah, they had a profound effect, I think, on our season, certainly between January and April. And um, yeah, obviously the, the club will count the cost of that in terms of the loss of revenue from Champions League football and all the associated marketing bump and commercial and uh, mm. corporate hospitality that that will cost them. So you'd like to think that going forward, this is something that they might learn from, that the uh, the situation that we found ourselves in, I mean, it is quite unique almost to Arsenal Football Club because of everything that's happened over the club in the last few years, because of the boardroom shenanigans, the ownership structure, the manager being in place for 20-odd years, having more authority than people who really should have authority over him because of because of his job. Um, just all of it is not necessarily the right way to, to, to operate. So I hope that they will learn from that. My guess is probably that they won't, but um, that, that's what we come back to. This, uh, this summer of Arsenal pudding is what it is. It's the pudding summer because they've talked the talk, they've talked about ambition, they've talked about uh, there's no complacency, they've talked about winning the Premier League, they've talked about winning the big trophies in Europe, they've talked about bringing in top, top quality players between Gazidis, between Wenger and Kroenke, they've said all of these things that of course we have heard before Uh, Mm. and as people have said, the proof will be in the pudding, so we're waiting for them to service the pudding Well, I, I, for one, hope it's a sticky toffee pudding. Let, let me just say. I do um, like a sticky uh, toffee pudding, yeah. Yeah. I like mine with ice cream. don't know how you feel about with that. ice cream? I'm more of a custard man with sticky toffee pudding. Like if you, yeah, yeah sti- I, I think that's more conventional. I, 
Yeah, custard is good, but I just think you know, I like, it's the cold and the hot fused. I, I like that. Mm. But anyway, yeah, you're right. The, the, the pudding will be provided, and hopefully it will be delicious and not just like what would be like a bad. Hopefully it will be sticky toffee pudding, not what would be a bad pudding, like a handful of grapes. Yeah, what would make a bad pudding? I guess soot. Soot. <laughs> 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 my my that that reminds me that when my little sister was small, she um, she was about three or something, mm. and we couldn't find her one day. And we went out in the garden, and she had opened and eaten half of a bag of coal. <laughs> <laughs> what? She just like what she you- had op- found a bag of coal by a barbecue in the garden, and just had been sort of steadily working her way through it. Does Incredibly, she, have- she too survived. Right? Does she have like yeah. dinosaur teeth? To eat I coal? don't know what is going I on. I don't there? know how she was doing it. She, she had sort of, you know, the soot made me think of it because she looked like a, well, like a kind of Edwardian chimney sweep. To be honest, afterwards, yeah, she was all, you know, all blackened face and hands. Um, she, I reminded her of it quite recently, and she says she thinks she has a memory of enjoying it. Right, make of that what you will. Well, I mean, she probably is going to have whoopee long at some point. Eating I all think that. if she carries on, yeah. if she carries on. Yeah, My, yeah the only, the only strange thing that uh, I, uh, I ate as a child was I came into the kitchen, I was about five or six, and on the, on the table was a delicious bowl of custard, delicious mm. custard. So I took out a spoon and I took a great big spoonful of this custard, which wasn't custard at all, but was mustard, English mustard. No. Uh, I still remember it to this day, um, that that feeling uh, at the back of your nose because it was so spicy and hot. You know, as a as an adult, you can deal with those stronger tastes. Your palate is developed a bit, but as a kid, oh my god, it was like uh, it was one of the worst things ever. But there you go. Oh, that's really tough. I mean, we've I've you know I've done the old like using salt on uh, uh, sugar on my chips instead of salt and things like that. Right. That's always a real terrific blow. Or salt in my tea. I've done all these things. I remember once well I was painting and um yeah I was painting. Don't it's not it's no big thing guys. Yeah no uh, like a like uh, a wall or like uh No no like I can't I think it was like watercolors or something like that you know it's a sort of pursuing my artistic streak in my younger years. Right. And um I had a cup of tea on the go and I do remember I've been painting for quite a while and I do remember just absentmindedly putting the paintbrush in the tea <laughs> and then just drinking a load of dirty paint water. That was a bad moment. Mm. 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 Delicious. Delicious. Yes. Well, look, let's hope that the uh, we're we're off the topic a little bit here, but we're talking about the pudding, the Arsenal pudding. Oh, the pudding. Yeah, yeah. 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 So we're we're hoping that the the pudding that they service is a delicious sticky toffee pudding and not a soot paint hybrid pudding uh, combo uh, of which uh, I suppose uh, Kylian Mbappe would be a very delicious ingredient in that pudding. He would he would make he would make that pudding taste good. Well, I don't, yeah, exactly. He wouldn't be the cherry on the cake. He would be a substantial part of the cake. Uh, certainly, a substantial part of the the budget to move away from all these delicious dessert analogies. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, what did you make of that story? I mean, the, 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 so there's certainly been plenty of people out there who will cynically go. We're three days away from the season ticket renewal deadline, uh, saying that we've made a hundred million bid, uh, pl- bid uh, hundred million pound bid for the most. Prize young player in the world, mm. 
is convenient, certainly. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily buy it from that point of view. I'm not sure what to make of it at all, because it came out where it was in L'Equipe. L'Equipe said that Arsenal had made this particular bid. They said that mm-hmm. the the money that we said we had to spend this summer was only a red herring. We were downplaying how much we were uh, willing to spend or how much we had to spend. Um, so I'm a little bit dubious then as to why we would then let it be known that we've spent or are willing to spend that much money uh, on Mbappe. Um, mm. And then, there, of course, there was there was a, a little bit of uh, people saying that it wasn't true. So James Ollie in the Evening Standard said that, yes, it was. Arsenal had made the bid. They'd offered more money up front than Real Madrid. They'd offered more in structured payments, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And there seemed to be quite some detail. But obviously, that then was um, put into doubt. David Ornstein saying that it wasn't uh, a real bid, that this was not. Uh, a true story as well. So I don't quite know what to make of it. Um, maybe it's a, a smokescreen, perhaps. Could it be yeah. that we've thrown this out there? You see, it speaks as well, if that is the case, to like some real joined up thinking, some strategic thinking. If we're putting this out as a smokescreen to, um, you know, to cover up the fact that we're trying to do something else on the sly, on the QT, uh, you know, I'm not sure we're that slick, are we? No, that's the thing. I always think that whenever people say smokescreen, I'm like, I'm not sure we're capable of that, really, especially quite so soon after all the chaos enveloping the club. I mean, it it would have to have been one very efficient board meeting for them to come out with that strategy. Mm. I, I should say on David Ornstein, he did say, he later clarified saying, I didn't confirm or deny the story. I merely said Arsenal are denying it. Ah, so, okay, okay, okay. All right. It, it, it's possible that there is something to it. I mean, look, Arsene Wenger has been very clear about his admiration of this player, hasn't he? More so maybe yeah. than any other player I can yeah. think of in the past. Yeah, he loves him. He loves him. Yeah. Well, understandably. I mean, his record is absolutely outstanding. He won the French League last year, scored in, what was it, four consecutive Champions League knockout games. Mm. I mean, the the guy, you know, we talk about what uh, Wenger's done with the likes of, I don't know, an Henri or an Elka or Van Persie before. This guy, in terms of what he's already achieved, would be coming in on a different level and with and with different, I mean, with mm. tricky expectations, really, absurdly high expectations yeah. given what he's done so far. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's clear that the manager likes him and we know, I mean, it's, it's almost unprecedented, really, that the, the manager said, you know, I was at his house trying to convince him to sign for Arsenal a year mm. or so ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know quite what the situation was there. Was he out of contract at Monaco? Or? I think that's what the case was, that we could have got him for a nominal fee because he hadn't signed a contract uh, with Monaco and he did sign a, right. a new deal with them and decided to stay there. And you can understand why he'd, he'd decide to stay there. I mean, there was a, the, the, when people talk about it, they say, well, look, it's completely unrealistic uh, for Arsenal to sign Kylian Mbappe when he could probably choose from any club in the world. And I know something that you said and it's something that occurred to me is that to go from Monaco to Real Madrid perhaps is too big of a jump. To go from, from yeah. Monaco to Bar, maybe it's too big of a jump. Uh, and he seems to be a guy who's who's uh, smart enough to know that he's got to develop as a player by playing regularly. So if he were to go to a club like Arsenal and could play there for two or three years, three or four years perhaps, develop... And in his uh, mid-twenties, 
I don't know, like early to mid-20s, 23, 24, he could then decide that he's going to make the step. In, in some ways, sort of what Ronaldo did at Manchester United. Although I don't mm-hmm. I don't think uh, he ever viewed Manchester United as a, a stepping stone club, and clearly they're a massive club. But, he, you know, that trajectory could well be sold to him. So, I mean, it, it might make some sense for him to, to view Arsenal as that kind of a move, wouldn't it? But... It's a huge risk from an Arsenal point of view because you're buying an 18-year-old, obviously with huge talent and huge potential. But we, you know, we've been there before with young players, and for that kind of money, it is a big risk if that's the way it's going to go down. If it goes down at all, of course, you know, I'm I'm pretty pretty dubious. I'm on the other side of the fence, um, yeah. but uh, it's a huge risk. I mean, you know, as brilliant as he's been, if Arsene Wenger would be. Prepared to sanction a deal like that. It's a huge indication of faith. And you never quite know. I mean, what would we have thought Jack Wilshire was worth, you know, mm. after his first season breaking into the first team? And it it, it can it can go the other way. It, you know, potential does not necessarily fulfil itself. However, when you look at the market and you look at Arsenal needing a centre forward, and you look at some of the fees that are being bandied around, it's it's quite unlikely that you could get what I would call a top class striker for less than 60 to 70 million. Mm. Do you know what I mean? If it yeah. feels that way. And so it's like, in that context, proportionately, you know, another 30 or so, it isn't actually... I mean, it's an absurd amount of money. It's ridiculous. I can't believe that this is what football has cost these days. You know, I grew up in an era when £7 million was a, a, a very, very high transfer when we paid mm. that for Dennis Burkamp. But... <sighs> I, I guess it's what you have to pay. So I guess it's what you'd have to pay. I guess it's it is approaching ridiculously the going rate. Mm. Mm. It's yeah. Well, we'll we'll have to wait and see how serious they are about it. Somebody tweeted at me. Uh, let me see if I can find it here. Um, uh, I probably can't find it actually. Oh, hang on. I know where I can find it now. One second. Um, Damon Milne, who's at Damon84M, uh, and he says, Arsene Wenger and Gazidis were spotted in Nice yesterday. Mbappe, with two question marks. And there's a picture of uh, Arsene Wenger and Ivan Gazidis walking along. Gazidis has got these kind of dark glasses on, maybe had a few too many... uh, Beers the night before. Arsene Wenger is walking along holding a bag of shopping. I don't know what exactly it is. It looks like uh, from some kind of clothes store. He's wearing the strangest pair of trainers. Um, it's, it's very <laughs> odd. Uh, they're these sort of knackered blue trainers. Um, I'll send it through to you here on the, the chat thing. You can have a look. Um, okay. And uh, maybe that's maybe that's why they're in the south of France. Are they there to... Maybe they've just gone on holiday together. Yeah. Heal like, some wounds. Exactly, exactly. A, a little break to mend fences between them. Come on, Ivan, let's have a, let's have a weekend away. Let's go somewhere, somewhere nice together. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he, they, they could I, also I, be there for uh, Lacazette, in France for Lacazette, I guess, as well. I don't know. Yeah, that, that that's one that always sort of I I raise a quizzical eyebrow at because as good as his record is in France, I just feel like if he was a player Arsene Wenger liked, he could have he could have taken him maybe last summer, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I felt like it was always a backup option. I, I I'm not necessarily convinced that he's Arsene's guy, but uh, it's difficult to argue with his, his goal scoring record. That's for sure. He's uh, away plenty of plenty this season, and if Atletico Madrid won him. Or wanted him, let's say. Mm-hmm. He's got to be worth something. 36 goals last season. 
It's not bad, is it? Yeah, let me see how many you got the season before. 23 the season before. Um, mm. I don't know. I mean, how old is Lacazette now? He's 26. Yeah, 29 the season before that. You know, so he does have a good goal-scoring record, you know, um, but of course the caveat is Ligue 1. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, you know, we've seen it before where players have scored a lot of goals in Ligue 1 and not... Um, and not not done it when they've come to the Premier League, so I don't know. But I mean, it's it's hard, isn't it, to see who the uh, the other outstanding striking candidates are out there. Um, yeah, the, I mean, you know, Griezmann was heavily linked with United. That's now not happening because uh, you know Athletic have got their transfer ban. Uh, Lukaku is a name that will keep coming up, I mm. guess. Uh, I kind of feel like he's more nailed on to go to another Premier League side. It feels like Chelsea or Manchester United is more plausible mm. in that respect. Is he definitely leaving Everton? Uh, well, I don't know. Not necessarily. Not if they get this big influx of cash. But where could that come from? I don't know. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and what else? Uh, oh, Bellotti, the Italian guy. There's a lot of chat about... Him bit moving this summer as well. Oh yeah, like ninety million euros. This is the young guy, yeah, isn't he? Just, yeah, uh, potentially he could be on the on the move. I mean, again, United have been uh, linked with him. With Torino, uh, Torino, yeah, striking. that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. hmm. I mean, that's. No, a, that's I don't know. I mean, go on. Sorry. Oh no, you go on. I was just going to say, I mean, that's just picking a few names, <laughs> picking a few names sort of out of the papers, really. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, if Arsenal need to deliver some pudding, it's got to be someone of that calibre and standing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or Henry Onyakuru. Again, yeah, that would be... You see, that's a deal that wouldn't surprise me, even though it's been... Uh, it's been slightly put to one side over the last few days. Um, but, it, you know, it's, that's the kind of one that wouldn't surprise me because Arsene Wenger said, we've got to improve our scouting. We've got to we've got to find these talents before they develop and everybody gets to know them, which is kind of where we were with Mbappe last summer, obviously, um, but but weren't mm. able to do that deal. So, yeah, look, I think it's uh, it's one that will run throughout the summer. But, um, again, we're, we're waiting. We're, we're sitting waiting patiently for putting... Um, and there is no pudding as of yet. Uh, the other puddings uh, that have got to be put in place are the, the, the Alexis and Ozil uh, deals. So we'll wait and see what, what happens there, if we can manage to do the renewals there. It's quite interesting because I think it will in some ways. If if we can sign a big player, let's say you sign an Mbappe, it, it makes it maybe easier to keep Ozil and Alexis uh, because they see that there's this ambition, this signal of intent from the club. But also, if we can keep those two players, it might make it easier to attract a big signing as well. So it's all it's all in the mix, in some kind of it is. bowl or other. I mean, I, I've been burnt by this because, you know, I always think back to the summer where uh, we signed... Lucas Podolski and Olivier Giroud and it felt like oh we're really strengthening and and then we sold Robin Van Persie and Arsenal was like and guess what we've already bought the replacements yeah. uh, and that that sort of has scarred me significantly but like uh, so much is contingent on the contracts of those two players isn't it mm. so much like yeah. we can't really have a coherent transfer plan until we know what's happening with those guys yeah yeah 
Well, look, you know, I, I, if Arsene and uh, Ivan Gazidis are in Nice, it's it's not for some uh, little jolly, in fairness. It means they're working, and if they're working now, it means they haven't gone on holidays yet, and uh, they're obviously trying to get some things sorted out before before they do that, if they do that at all. So uh, let's keep mm. let's keep fingers crossed. Um, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, a uh, story in the Mirror today that Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is going to uh, eschew the uh, overtures from Liverpool and sign a new deal with Arsenal worth... Hundred grand a week, um, or at least he's leaning that way. Anyway, I suppose the positive thing is that there's a deal on offer now um, because there mm. hasn't been for most of the season. No, that's it. I mean, the, again, uh, the, it must have been a busy board meeting because Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain definitely hadn't received an offer when the season ended. If he has now and is willing to sign it, my fear was that the kind of inaction of Arsenal, the fact that no offer was forthcoming, would have turned his head, that he would have thought, well, forget it, you know, if they're not mm. going to come and negotiate with me, I'm going to go and negotiate elsewhere. So if he does put pen to paper, I do think that's a good thing. I think uh, he was instrumental, really, in our recovery towards the back end of last season. He's excelled in a couple of positions this year. He did very well as a central midfielder and very well as a wing-back. Mm. So I would like to see him stay. Um I'll, I'll kind of believe it when I see it. I'm sure the story's written in good faith. I'm sure it's accurate, but he, he, I really have had a suspicion he might go. So yeah. I need to be reassured by you know a picture of him holding a pen and pretending to sign something. Yeah, in the uh, in the contract renewal dungeon um, brought down yes. there by the the ghost of Thomas Rosicki. That's where that's where <laughs> it'll be. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be good news, and it would be again a positive start to the summer to keep him because, like you, I was uh, or I remain a little bit dubious. I, I, I think he was very close to leaving or considering leaving anyway, but uh, hopefully they can they can work something out. Um, yeah, it will be interesting to see if he does stay, what happens in terms of his tactical deployment. Yeah. I, I remember after the FA Cup final, he went over to the BT Sport pundits, and I think it was Rio Ferdinand said to him, oh, Ox, you found your position, you know, wing-back. Uh, you're really smashing it. And, and you could see straight away the player was like, ah... Oh, I'm not sure I want to be a... And he said, uh, uh, Stephen Gerrard was there and he said, I want to be a central midfielder like uh, like Stephen. Mm. And uh, and in my head I went, oh God, Liverpool, he's going to Liverpool. <laughs> but uh, I I do think that that's really where his ambitions lie and it'll be interesting to see if if I, if he does stay, if Arsene Wenger feels the same. Yeah, I mean, that, I think that could be the sticking point. Um, mm. If that's what he wants from his career, are Arsenal prepared to give him that chance? Because it would mean... Maybe if we are going to do that, it might mean not signing a central midfield player or not signing a central midfield player of the caliber people might like if he's prepared to give Oxley chamberlain um, a go there. So it'll be interesting to see how they work that out. I think that could well be an issue. So um, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. All right. Well, look, yeah. will we, uh, we'll call time on part one here, I think. Um, we'll take a break. We'll come back and we'll do your questions right after this. So happy. So happy. This is fantastic. So happy. Fantastic. The fans so happy. This is fantastic. So happy. So happy. This is fantastic. Fantastic. So happy I go to hope with my dog. Unwanted family guests are like fish. They start to stink after three days. So what's the best mattress for them this holiday season? 
Definitely not a nectar. Then they'll never leave. Flip those fish your old mattress and put your human body on a nectar. Prices start at just $499, and you get $399 in accessories thrown in, a 365-night home trial, and a forever warranty. A fresher deal than your mackerelly mother-in-law, right? Go to Nectarsleep.com today. This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to the Arsecast Extra. This is part two where we answer the questions that you sent to us on Twitter at GunnerBlog and at Arsblog and also on the Arsblog Facebook page, but not this week because I forgot again. I'm sorry, Facebook people. I keep forgetting. <laughs> I will put a reminder in my calendar to uh, to make sure I do a post uh, on Facebook uh, for that. So um, it was Champions League final at the weekend, James. It did, was, did you watch yeah, it? Yeah. I only saw uh, highlights. I wa- Where was I? Oh, I was at a play. How cultured of me. Wow, a play, and then you were on a rooftop yeah. wedding with flamingos. Lady Guys, I've changed. Little fucking Lord <laughs> Fauntleroy here. What? Um, sickly Lord Fauntleroy, that's what we call you. Yeah, um, <laughs> and his little crutch. Yeah, I watched uh, it in a bar in Dublin. I was out with my brother and a, a few few of the lads, and we watched it, it in a like bar. It like a good game. It was, I mean, Real Madrid were very good, unfortunately, but it was quite interesting. You know, at the start, uh, everyone was, was, pretty much everyone there was up for Juventus. And when Real Madrid scored, there was like, no, no. And one guy in the bar was like, yay. Um, And then Juventus scored and the place went mad. Everyone was like, yeah. But as it went on, as it became apparent that uh, Juventus were not going to win, People became more and more disinterested in what was happening. They just just stopped watching it, basically. Um, really? Yeah. But there was that moment, of course, which is why I mentioned it. There was that moment when uh, Quadrado got sent off. I mean, there's there's a question in itself. Like, is Max Allegri that good of a manager when the only thing he's got to try and change a, a Champions League final is Quadrado? What's that about? I know. That doesn't speak to great recruitment for me. But anyway, he, he got sent off, Quadrado, uh, because of a bit of play acting by Sergio Ramos. And Ben Rogerson asks, Sergio Ramos, bit of a cunt, but if we had a player acting that way, would you be happy his cheating pays off or would you be embarrassed? What an interesting question. Well, I, I certainly wasn't embarrassed about the cheating of Alexis Sanchez in the FA Cup final with his handball. Uh, if anything... <laughs> I, I admired it, the hand of dog at last. <laughs> uh, but uh, so, but it's a bit of a different thing, isn't it, what Ramos has done? Is that fair? I mean, I, I think it's... Um, have we ever had anybody like that? That's an interesting question. Have we ever had anyone who's had that, that, that element of their personality in recent history? Um, I'm sure we must have. I'm sure we must have. I don't remember anything quite as blatant as, as that, where I mean, he, he got the guy the, sent off at 3-1 up with four, 10 minutes to go. I mean, it's spectacularly yeah. cunty. I mean, he is a massive, massive prick, Sergio Ramos. A brilliant player, but clearly a fucking nutcase. And, 
you know, he's on the pitch afterwards with his kids going, hey, look, look at me. Nice family man. Um, maybe that's the attitude, isn't it? That you, you've, you've got to have that if you want to be a serial winner like he is at a club like Real Madrid. I don't know. You know, it would really depend on the context for me. Like if we had a player who got, I don't know, who's a nice guy? Who's a nice guy in football who plays for a team that we don't really hate? Think of a player. Like oh, the it's opposite, because we, we hate all the other teams. <laughs> the opposite of Joey Barton. The opposite of John Terry. Who is that guy? Um. Oh, it's not easy. There uh, must be some nice, I'm, nice people out there. I don't know. We're struggling here. Anyway, let's imagine that that player exists. <laughs> <laughs> let's just okay, pretend okay. that this, this mythical, <clears throat> mythical figure exists. And we, <laughs> we don't hate. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and we had a player who got him sent off uh, for, for no good reason. For no good reason. Let's say we're winning 4-0 okay. and uh, he, he play acted and got that player sent off. And, and it was a, a complete travesty, complete injustice. I would probably feel a little bit bad. I would think that's embarrassing. Our player should not have done that. I wish he wouldn't do that yeah. in the future. Someone needs to, to take him to one side and have a Bouet was maybe a bit of a a player like that, wasn't he? In the sense that he would he would go in for all that kind of play acting and, and stuff like that that drove me mad. Uh, but I don't think he was a bad person or anything. He, he was just a, a bit silly. Um but you know, if that same player <laughs> then inflicted that kind of uh, event on someone like John Terry or Joey Barton. I would find it very difficult to criticize him for that. So I think it all depends on the context. If it's 4-0 up in a nothing game against Middlesbrough and he's got, I don't know, fucking some guy sent off who's a nice fella, then you go, no. Nah. But if, it, if it's cheating, uh, helps you win the Champions League final, I think you would, you would be able to compartmentalize that much more easily. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I think ultimately, if a guy, if a guy gets you results, it's very difficult to argue with it. I mean, it, it's not quite the same. But even your beloved Robert Perez wasn't adverse to taking a, a tumble, was he? I mean, he. he you, oh, I've you spoken take, you ill. Take, you take that back. You take that back at once. <laughs> <laughs> Look, they all. Okay, worry. well, let me put it this way: he, 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 his balance wasn't his greatest attribute. Look, he had some inner ear problems, and you, as somebody, <laughs> well, who's I know all about that. Yeah. I, I can empathise. Yeah, know. as someone who's suffering at this moment in time, I thought you would have more sympathy. You'd be able to, you know, yeah. understand that. But yeah, okay, I, I, I think yeah, we, we've had players who, 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 who cross the line, who push the boundaries a little bit down the years but I think what, what Ramos did was like it was just spectacularly cunty it really was it was it was I mean it was what you've come to expect from him uh, but if it helped us win the Champions League I could definitely make my peace with it I suspect alright ok let's have a question let's have a question um, right this is it's that, it's, it's that time again uh, Connor who's at is yours gold Oh four, right. I don't know what he's referring to there. Says it's time for your net transfer spend predictions, lads. Mm, yeah, good few people were asking about this actually. Um, there yeah. were there were a number actually. I suppose we should try and, and give them a shout out uh, if we can do that. So put yeah yeah have a look. Uh, Keegan French. Yeah, is that was that the one you said? No, 
Uh, no, Ke- that's Keegan underscore one. French. About time for the who's in, who's out, and net spend predictions. Uh, Ollie at World of Ollie says, "Are you making transfer window guesses this year? Ins, outs, money spent. Big test of your prediction skills this summer." Uh, Cameron uh, Deman, who's at Cameron Deman. Uh, he he must be the man. Uh, he says, "Do the total net spend predictions, please." So I think we're going to have to do it. Um, okay, it's that time where we make predictions, write them down, and then lose the piece of paper in the coming months and never know <laughs> who was right. <laughs> and then we have to ask, "How exciting!" <laughs> which podcast yeah. was it that we did the predictions on, guys? And someone will tell us. Uh, maybe I should. Um, I'll, I'll keep. This Let's piece tattoo of paper. it into our skin. I've got a biro <laughs> and a needle. It's the only way. It is the only way. What a what a messy arm we'd have after about three years, just like all these weird numbers on it. Um, right. So, uh, what what should we do first? The total spend. Well, do, total spend. What, if uh, does people want to see who's in, uh, who's out, don't they? Or certainly who's out. I mean, should we do that first because that might inform our spend, our net spend, right? If we know who's going. Right. Okay. 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 So I think okay. going, Kieran Gibbs. Okay, are we writing this down? Yeah, I'm writing it down. down? I'm writing it down. Oh, you think Kieran Gibbs? I think Kieran Gibbs. Story today saying Newcastle offering 15 million for Kieran Gibbs. That must be made up. Surely. That's so much money. They don't call it silly season for nothing, James. Um, <laughs> and that is, that is quite silly. I don't think there's, there's any question of that. Matthew Debushi, I think, will go. Um, Carl Jenkinson? Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm writing these down. Carl Jenkinson. Um, boom, boom, boom. David Ospina. David Ospina, yeah. There's a lot of talk about him going. Um, who else do you think? We uh, know Yoyo Snogo's going, but I'm not sure that even really counts. No, we've got a question about uh, that. Uh, I think Jack okay. Wilshire will go. I have a okay. feeling Jack Wilshire will go. Um, who have you not said? Let me have a little look through the squad. Lucas Perez? Yes, he has said that he wants to leave, understandably so, so he'll go. And I think there it's will quite be. a long list, this, isn't it? It is. It is. But the, the manager said the squad was heavy, so, you know, um, you've, got to, you've got to trim some of the fat, so to speak. Mm. Um, He's looking at you, Santi. Yeah. Uh, anyone else? Uh, so, actually, the problem we have here, well, not the problem. What about Theo Walcott? There was talk about Theo Walcott potentially as he doesn't fit in the new system. I, I It wouldn't surprise me. But then I predicted that before and... <laughs> he's, he's always he's, there. He's there. He's like, you know that episode of... Um, you know the episode of The Simpsons when Bart uh, bunks off school and Principal Skinner just is behind him. He's relentless. He's following him everywhere, yeah, up and down yeah, yeah. mountains and all kinds of shit. That's what Theo Walcott's like. <laughs> You can't get away. So the problem is, that I I actually agree, I think, with every name on that list. Let's read mm. that list out again. Okay, Kieran Gibbs, Matthew Debushi, Carl Jenkinson, David Ospina, Jack Wilshire, Lucas Perez, Yaya Sanogo. I, I think... Are well, you playing with a pen, very, by the way? Uh, what are you playing yeah, with? sorry. You should stop it's that. It's actually... Quite irritating. It's, a, it's an empty packet of pills for my sickliness. <laughs> You've taken the, them all. And as a child, as a child, he wasn't even allowed toys. He would just play with the medicine bottles that we used to treat his many ailments. They became his only friends. <laughs> yeah. He knew all the different tablets by name. He would play with them every day. He called his he inhaler them, Giles. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. His bestest buddy was a little neurofan. Anyway, I um, I uh, I uh, yeah, that was me. Uh, I agree with all that, but I I do feel like that's almost too many. I mean, can can they actually let Debushi Gibbs and Jenkinson go? I mean, yeah. that's a lot of defence. Yeah, they can. They can. You they think? Can. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. Um, given that Debushi and Jenkinson basically didn't play this season. Yeah. So look, here's here's let's try and put a value on these. So I think Kieran Gibbs, we might get six million for. Does that seem low? Is that about that would be about right? He's got it, one for... year left on his contract, I think. So I think uh, yes, I think that's about right. Am I am I giving my valuation, or are we concurring on these? I think we should concur uh, on these, and then these we can make our own predictions. Yeah. So uh, Matthew Debushi, we're going to get zero. Pounds for because I think he's out of contract. Maybe yeah. is he? Or if he's not, I mean, no one's going to pay anything anyway. He's going to go for nothing. I yeah. think he's out of contract. Right. Okay. Um, Carl Jenkinson. I think he's out of. Con- no, he's got one year left on his contract. He's not. He's not out of contract. Uh, I think he could be worth. I mean, there was talk of quite a lot of money when he was going to Crystal Palace. Seven million pounds they were talking about in January. Right. I think. I think he could be worth, I don't know, five million quid. <laughs> what do you think? Do you um, think no? I, I had two million max for me. Two million. Really? Yeah. Well, I, I'm only going on what was said in January. Uh, look, I'm not. I'm, I'm. That's fine. I'm just telling you what I think. Um, so I don't know. Should we meet in the middle on this one? Let's meet in the middle. Three and a half million. What's that? Three and a half. Three and a half. Yeah. Still seems. Like a good Steve deal for us, yeah. Not sure. No, no. Not sure. Uh, David Ospina. I mean, what would you get for David Ospina? A keeper with one year, two years left on his contract, uh, whose uh, who's uh, reputation is pretty good still. Yeah, I, th- I, uh, well, in April 2017, um, somebody reported that it was six million pounds, right, to Fenerbahce. I think you could get a bit uh, more than that, but. I think you should get a bit more if when you look at what people are paying for keepers these days. Yeah. But uh, equally, I wouldn't be surprised if it was about that. What, what do you think? And then we'll split the difference, I guess. Uh, yeah, I think maybe around eight. I reckon we could... Okay, I think well, we could get ten, depending on the club, but I'd say maybe we'll put down eight, will we? Just for... Yeah, OK. OK, Jack Wilshire. What would you get for Jack? That's really hard, isn't it? Because... Mm. Even even twelve months ago, I think people were talking about, you know, thirty or forty million based on his Englishness and his potential. But I actually think playing regularly at Bournemouth and not being that brilliant has sort of <laughs> harmed his value in some ways. It's like that's mm. what you're buying, guys, and it's not as exciting as we thought. Uh, the sort of possibility has yeah. evaporated somewhat, and he's got a year left. I mean. It could be anything between about 15 and 30 million, I think, based on what we can fleece someone for. I would I would go to the lower end of that because I think the injury problems will play a part in that. So I think if we got 15 million for Wilshire with one year left, 15 to 20, because the talent's there, the, say- the talent, the ability is there or was there. Again, I think the season at Bournemouth, I'm not sure it did him that much good in terms of his reputation as a player. Um, 
I still think he would have been what better about, staying at Arsenal, but there you go. What about 18 million? Okay, let's put down 18 million for Jack Wilshire. That feels plausible to me. Lucas Perez. Yeah. Uh, we signed him for 17 million. I don't think we'll get that. I don't think we'll get that. 10 million. 15? No. 10. Okay. 10. I reckon 10. Yeah, he's about 30, isn't he? Yeah. All right, 10 million, yeah. I think we've got to take a hit uh, on that one. Okay, and are we are we going with Walcott in or out? I think we're going with Walcott in. I think Walcott's okay. staying. He'll always be here forever. He's going to have three testimonials. <laughs> All right, so that's... Uh, let me just add this up here. So we've got six and eight, 14, 17 and a half. We've got 27 and a half plus 18 million. Um which is God Almighty. Oh, th- what is it? 27.5 27 plus 18. 27 18, which of course is... 45.5. 45.5 million. Sorry, my brain wasn't working there. I should be um, much faster than that. But So 45.5 million, that's what we reckon we will earn from sales without selling wait, anybody wait, 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 unexpectedly. Wait. Well, that's it. I mean, we haven't mentioned the big two in this. Yeah. Again, you know, I don't think we can I don't think we can factor them into this because we don't know what's going to happen. The, you know, Arsene Wenger said we could hold on to them, we could hold on to them, blah blah blah. So I think we've got to take them out of that until we get some clarity on those. So what we've got is 45.5 million as uh, how much we'll get in. So how much do you think we will spend? How much are Arsenal going to actually splash out? How much money at the end of this uh, the summer will we have spent? Um, about a hundred and that's a big start, isn't it? Uh, about a hundred and thirty million. One hundred and thirty or thirteen? Thirty three zero. Whoa, fucking hell! Hundred and thirty million is how much we're going to spend, and then taking into account the forty-five point five, that gives I mean, us. I secretly think we're going to bring in about a hundred million because I do think I personally think Alexis Sanchez is going to go. Mm. But let's, uh, irrespective, I think they'll spend about one hundred and thirty million pounds. What do you think they'll spend? Um, seventy-five. 75, that's less than the previous summer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like I said... Some I'm, pudding you've got. Yeah, it's not the greatest pudding in the world. So I think we'll spend around £75 million. I could okay. be wrong. I just, you know... I that's know. that's that's spend. That's not net spend. No. Talk about actual, net spend. No. But, okay. <laughs> I won't. Um, yeah, £75 million. I just, yeah, I just can't see where we're going to spend the money on or who we're going to spend it on. Uh, I, I would caveat that by saying that if Alexis Sanchez or, or Mesut Ozil leave, then I think that figure will be higher because we will have to go out and, and spend some serious money on some player. Um, mm. Player or players, even. So. So, you, so you don't think... So, hang on. So you think... I guess you think that Monaco are going to go, do you know what, guys? We like you so much that you can have, even though you bid a hundred million for Kylian Mbappe, you can have him for about forty. That's what you. That's your prediction, isn't that's it? That's exactly it. Yeah. They're, they're going to be super right, nice to yeah, us. You yeah. know, our, we love Arsene Wenger. He was our manager. Let's do him a favor. 
let's you know give them a cut price and bappy deal. Seems only it makes fair. sense. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. makes sense. Yeah, look, uh, there's I part of me. There's part spend of me. That, huge money. I think so. And there's part of me that wants to go. Yes, we are. We're going to spend big money. We're going to break our transfer record again. We're going to spend more than we've ever spent in any summer ever. There's part of me that wants to believe that, but you know, <laughs> I, there are other parts. Yeah, I'm waiting for the goddamn pudding. Show me the goddamn pudding. That's all I'm saying. Show me the pudding. Show me the pudding. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jerry Maguire. That's it. That's going to be the catchphrase of summer. Show me the pudding. Show me the pudding. I think, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, what have Man City spent already? Uh, seven trillion pounds. That's it. Yeah. Um, on two players or whatever it is. So, yeah, look, I think it it could well be one of the biggest spending summers of all time, but I'm just... I, you know, I've been burned too many times before, James. You know, I'm not the dog no. that goes over to eat the pudding and every time he goes to eat the pudding, he gets electrocuted. I'm not that dog. I'm a slightly more wary, cautious dog who's learned that if you go and eat the pudding or if you expect the pudding to be delicious, you get electrocuted or it's soot. <laughs> I I am really concerned that it, it's a lot of, there's going to be a lot of soot in our meals at the end of our meals next season we're going to be predominantly soot yes we will have we will all have a whoopy long because of all the the soot that we're eating okay <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, have another question and we'll we'll I'll keep this piece of paper I'll keep it there and we can update it over the over the course of, of the summer uh, James Gilhini who's at JJ Gilhini wants to know who had the more bizarre strange unfulfilled career at Arsenal Sonogo or Park Wow, that's a hell of a contest. A uh, clash of the titans in that particular sphere. Uh, well, Sonogo, yes, he's declared he's off. Definitely a strange Arsenal career. Someone who was very hyped upon arrival. You know, there was a lot of talk about his goals at youth level for France, but huge injury problems too. He was our second-choice striker, and Arsenal had enormous faith in him in big, big games. He played against Bayern Munich, played... Uh, did he play? He certainly came on in the FA Cup final. He played, he in, played uh, in the semi. He played against Everton. I think he started against uh, Everton the in the quarterfinal yeah. um, or the fifth round, whichever one that was. Played against Everton. I think he could have started in the. Did he start in the semi final against Wigan? I'm going to have a look. I'm going to have a look right now. Mm. Um, I feel like maybe he did. He did, you know. Wow. He played the whole game. And we wow, we only scored very late. I mean, what 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 could have happened? I don't know. I, know. I don't understand. Scary. That was nearly the game that cost Arsene Wenger his job. To mm. be honest. Um, and were there highlights in there? Well, he was pretty good in that game against Bayern, as I recall. He, they didn't really know what to do with him. He's, he he brought an element of chaos to the 2014 final. Yeah. He scored a good goal against Borussia Dortmund one mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. and he scored a hat trick in the Emirates Cup. I think he got four, but, didn't he? Yeah, and fell over celebrating. Yeah. But I basically thought he was rubbish. Yeah, look, I think he tried hard and... Uh, sure. You know, he, he seemed like an honest lad, just not that great at football. You know, but I could see where we were going with him in terms of uh, how we brought that transfer. He's a young player in France. You're playing with the thing again, aren't you? 
Yeah, it's amazing. How can you tell? Such such good hearing. You're like a superhero. Put down your friend Uh, and concentrate on the podcast. Yeah, I put him down. I put him down. (laughs) But, you know, you could see what the idea was. Young, promising player from France. Didn't cost anything, really. Maybe a couple of hundred grand. And if he worked out, great. Um, I I do feel like perhaps the faith the manager had in him was um, not proportionate with his qualities as a player. Um, Yeah. He had a lot of injury problems, let's not forget. I mean, that was really the story of yeah, the time with Arsenal, wasn't yeah. it? He was constantly injured. Yeah, he did. But then, of course, Park, I never really quite understood. I never understood Park quite what, what went Park's... on there. I mean, he was a no. a, a solid, established pro in, in France, uh, an international for South Korea. But I didn't quite understand why we signed him. Um, I know it was that mad what? trolley dash in 2011, but... Yeah, yeah I, I, I think why we signed him is one thing. Uh, but as you say, he was an international-level goal scorer who had scored goals in Liga, who scored goals in World Cups. What was really bizarre about the Park situation is why he just never played. I mean, mm. I remember him playing a Carling Cup game against Bolton, scoring with a really nice finish at the Emirates Stadium. But he just... I mean, he just didn't feature in the Premier League. It's, you can only assume yeah. it had something to do with his performances in training. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's it's uh, it's one of those things, isn't it? Arsene Wenger has a record of buying strikers that he then just doesn't bother using. Or w- once he gets yeah. them into the club, just won't play them. I mean, we saw that with Lucas Perez, and Lucas Perez proved himself to be a very uh, worthwhile contributor this season. I thought, you know, he looked a, a really good player, a player who, who should have played more, but obviously didn't didn't register with Arsene Wenger when it came to his team selection. So yeah, there's a there's a bit of history there with Arsene Wenger and strikers. So I think the, for me, I think the Park one is stranger than the Sonogo one. Yeah, the Sonogo one was a calculated gamble, wasn't it? Mm. It was like, well, it didn't cost us anything really. Um, we got him on the sort of tribunal ruling. We were trying to get Mbappe on with very different results, mm. unfortunately. Uh, and, you know, it was it was an Omari Bischoff. It was a, here's a young guy, bit of talent, lot of injuries. If he, if he works out well, it'll be a huge coup for us. The problem with Sonogo was that he was far too close to the first team. Mm. We, we didn't have enough strikers in that period and he shouldn't have been yeah. playing for us as, as, as regularly as he was. But the Park thing, I think, is more bizarre, more surreal. And if you look at the trajectory of his career since... It's been a... I mean, he must mm. rue the day he turned down Lille to sign for us. Yeah, yeah, he must indeed. But there you go. We all make uh, strange, uh, difficult choices at times and get them wrong. So, you know, sure. live with it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and to, uh, to Yaya Sonogo, not a bad guy, not a great footballer. No. Um, I, hope, I hope he has a, a bit of success and a bit of uh, injury-free regular football wherever it is he goes. It would be nice... Uh, you know, you wouldn't wish him any uh, any ill will. Um, it's not his fault that, as you say, he was uh, far closer to the first team at times than he really should have been. Absolutely. I mean, he's 24 years old, Yaya Sonogo. Uh, he, he's fit, bowl accounts. Uh, he's played for the reserve. Scored a hat-trick, didn't he, for the under-23s? Mm. Um, it was the worst hat-trick I've ever too... seen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was absolutely diabolical. But... I really genuinely hope he can get himself a move uh, and get some mm. some regular football and, you know, really start his career because he has had so many injury problems. Yeah. So best of luck to him. I suspect mm. it won't be at a Champions League level club. No, me neither. Say. Me neither. OK, have you got a question? 
Yeah, this is from uh, Ben, who's at Ben AFC, and he asks, what do you make of the links with Arda Turan? Does it signal the departure of Ozil or Sanchez? Mm, that is, uh, I've seen that going around over the weekend, and... Well, for years, really. He seems to have been linked with us perennially, Arda Turan, I, I feel. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's he's a decent player, but I'm not sure... I'm not sure he's... Is he, is he that good? Is he that good? I don't know. I, uh, he was pretty good for Atleti, but it's, again, he's had a weird time, hasn't he? Because he signed but the, uh, at a time when Barcelona were banned from registering new players. So mm. he was sat, literally sat on the sidelines for six months after the deal went through. And, and I don't think he's ever really recovered from that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. He's 30 years old now as well. He'll be 31 next season. That's quite an unusual move for Arsene Wenger. Yeah. Like he's made 28, 30 appearances for Barcelona and he scored 13 goals. So, I mean, it's not a bad return, but it would be a fairly underwhelming signing, I have to say. If we're talking about this being the biggest spending summer of all time, if we're talking about going out for top, top quality, maybe breaking our transfer record, uh, you know, adding stuff that we really need to take the team forward. I'm not sure he's that guy, is he? No, I mean, you know, the second part of the question is he a replacement for Ezra Sanchez. In my mind, no, he's probably not. But then by the same token, let's say we stick with this new formation, this 3-4-2-1. If he's just someone who's being brought in as an option who can rotate or play certain games in that two behind a striker... Um, you know, for twenty to thirty million pounds, then I, I think that probably is strength in the squad. He probably is more suited to that role than, say, a Theo Walcott, mm. who's not really a, a ball carrier in that way. I, I've got no issue with that whatsoever. If it's this is your marquee guy who we're bringing in to kind of change the the dynamic of the first team or maybe replace a big star, uh, I feel less less content about that outcome. Mm. Anyway, we'll see. It would be, uh, yeah, a pretty underwhelming one, I have to say. Um, I'd, I'd like to think we could do better than that, you know? Well, we've done, you know, cast-offs from uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona have, have done us all right in the past, but I, I think it's difficult for me to really know how good a player is. I mean, you can't blame a guy for not getting into that Barcelona front line, you know? Mm. Um, but I agree, it's not it's not the one. He, not, he wouldn't be top of my list. No. No. Okay, well, uh, here's another question. David McNamara, who's at DVDMCN, uh, he, got, he, he uses that thing that Jim mentioned. It's called Time Hop. So it reminds yes. you of, of, uh, of tweets from days of yore and three years ago to this very day. Three years ago. Well, that was yesterday, actually, but three years ago. Uh, he, he sent us a message. He said, outstanding Falcon chat this morning. Top drawer. And you'll remember that um, in one of the Arscasts, wow, we had a question. Years. Yeah, three years ago. Fucking hell. Um, this is why I don't have time hop, because it frightens me. That yeah, exactly. Time. Exactly. But anyway, um, we were talking about, uh, there was a question about a falcon, and we had an exchange about how you can take falcons into first class, and you found some uh, hilarious comment. I think it's on Arscast Extra number 19. Uh, let me just check that out. Yeah, it's Arscast Extra uh, 19 from about 40 minutes, if you want to go and have a listen to that. Uh, we talk about uh, Falcons and Falcons being in first class. But uh, David wants to know, uh, in the wake of uh, Falcon Gate, in the, uh, not in the wake of it, but uh, to commemorate it, he would like to know, would you rather share a flight sat beside a Falcon or between John Terry and Mourinho? 
Oh, definitely a falcon. I mean... <sighs> I've said that and I'm immediately... I mean, I'm thinking to these flamingos. And I'll be honest, I spent most of the day terrified. Birds mm. do have that evil about them. Mm. But I just think between John Terry... I mean, the only the only thing that I think that could be good about that is if you could do some sort of sabotage. You know what I mean? Like, I, you could somehow ruin the flight for them in some way. But I think I don't think I could cope. I mean, literally sandwiched between them. Every time you went to the toilet, you'd have to interact with one of them. Uh, what if one of them fell asleep on your shoulder? I mean, it's making my skin crawl just mm. thinking about it. I think it's going to have to be a falcon. And I think... I'm just going to hope that the falcon's got that weird little hood on so it can't really see me. Yeah. And I can sort of sit there undetected. Mm. Yeah, see, How I'm, you I'm, feel? I'm terrified. I would be I would hate to be that close to a bird of that size, <laughs> of that of that power. Falcons are they're you know, they're vicious fuckers. Um I know. By their very nature. Um so yeah, no, I, I I would find it very hard to to feel comfortable on a flight. At least if you were sat between Terry and Mourinho, you could just go asleep, or you know, yeah. But you wouldn't be that. Yeah, though, though they could be evil as well. They could do bad things to you too. I think I would just it's, not get on the flight. You no wouldn't flight. get on the flight. No. Nah. No, I'd walk. Wherever it was I had to go, I'd walk. Rather than sit beside a Falcon or John Terry and Jose Mourinho. It might take me longer. It would probably... It Cling would onto the wing underneath. Yeah. We could be that frozen guy. Um, yeah, no. I, you could ask to change seats, I guess. Couldn't you? Have we, have we said before that Falcon's on a plane is a much better idea for a film than Snake's on a plane? Because we know that Falcons are on planes... And if they started hijacking the plane and taking over the plane, that would be more terrifying, I think, than a snake. Isn't isn't the the concept or the idea though that snakes are snaky, and they can sort of snake around? Because a falcon is pretty fucking obvious. Like, there's no hiding a falcon. Where I hear snakes... you, but also, go on. Go on. So I understand snakes can like slither, and it's like, where's yeah. the snake? It's oh, it's in the overhead cabinet. Oh. It's, you know, in the cockpit, it's in the wherever they go. Yeah. But the falcon, I hear what you're saying and there's suspense in that, but if there were just a shitload of falcons flying up and down the carriage, I mean, I don't know if it would sustain for 90 minutes as a film, but that's only because everyone else on the plane would be dead. Yeah. It's, the it's falcons a, oh my are God. unstoppable. Yeah, that would be terrifying. Imagine all that flapping in, in a confined space. I mean, that's the thing. It's like the flappiness of birds really... It really terrifies me, and uh, I feel quite sick now. Actually, thinking that I could be on a plane with all the all the like, the, what if their bony wings touched you and you punched one, and it felt all exactly. like it, it, it felt all light and dusty when you punched a falcon in the stomach, and it, you could hear the like of air coming uh, out. Of it. <laughs> Gross. The falcon. Yeah. The feathered assassin. Yes. No. So nature's horse. <laughs> nature's horse. <laughs> His beak is made of revenge. His claws of despair. His heart of aluminium. Yeah. The falcon. Terrifying. <laughs> what a brilliant Satan's helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Terrifying. brilliant. That's what I'm going to call them from now on. Satan's helicopters. Yeah. That is so good. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> 
Falcons, a never-ending uh, stream of amusement for this podcast. We'll come back to Falcons in another three years. And can uh, we get sponsored by Falcons? That's the real question. Uh, there was a uh, uh, there was a holiday company here called Falcon Holidays. I don't know if they still. Um, oh, that sounds yeah. Travel agent, Falcon Holidays. Let me just see. Falcon Holiday Deals. That's right. They're still they still got a website. Oh, that's right. They've got a, a premises in Duke Street. Let's see what some of the offers that they've got. Do you think they might have some good offers on holidays? Please, yeah. Um, look. Apparently, James, there's still time for a Greek getaway. Now, you know all about Greek. Well, I've just been. Yes. Maybe, but I think maybe I have to go back to fix my ears. That's the only way. I've got to get on another plane. Uh, it's like lost. We've got to go back to the island. Mm. Oh, I've spoiled a series that's 10 years old. Anyway, carry on. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's all kinds of things going on here. Uh, let's see. Emerald Studios. It's two star plus in Rhodes. Seven nights. <laughs> two star plus. <laughs> two star plus, yeah. Uh, two star plus. Seven yeah, nights, okay. self-catering, 420 euros per person. What about that? I, I think I would like more That's than two bad. star plus, though. You know, when you go on holidays, you, you need a bit more than that, don't you? They've got some. Uh, you know, we're not actually sponsored by Falcon Holidays. We don't actually have to plug all their holidays. We're literally doing advertising for free for them right now. Yeah, we are. But maybe maybe it'll come <laughs> back. It. <laughs> maybe it'll come back. Yeah, that's us. it. Yeah. Pay it forward. Pay what it about forward. Falcon Computer Specialists? Are you aware of them? I am not aware of them. No. They, I don't know what they, I mean, I think I think they sell computers. Right. Um, I'm just looking up businesses named after Falcons, really. That's, that's where this has gone. Falcon Computers uh, Limited in uh, Roker Avenue in Sunderland. They're an independent store for own and leading brand PCs, laptops and components, plus gaming and repairs. So if you're in the Northeast and you need a computer, go to Falcon Computers Limited. How about that? Wow. That's some free advertising right there. Free voiceover and everything. Um, the, yeah, very well. They mm. can just take that out, use it. Yeah. Uh, there's a Falcon bus as well. Now, I think it's just a bus called the Falcon. It goes to Devon and Somerset and Bristol. I don't think it's a bus full of Falcons. That's good. Or a don't bus worry. shaped like a Falcon. That would be awkward to get through tunnels and stuff, I think. It would be horrific. All right. Uh, listen, uh, we've got one more question here, and it was one that oh, on, I, yeah. I, I saw, and uh, it, it intrigued me because I'd never thought about it before. It comes from Boris Zlatopolsky, who's at Pensions Boris Z, and he wants to know, this is important, are Pop-Tarts sandwiches? No. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> They're not. They are tarts. Mm. Yes. I, I mean, a, the, by, the, by the name, by their name, but I think that the point is, normally a tart is open. So that's the thing. A tart is open. So if you've got a jam tart, but, you've got a bit of pastry. Is, yeah. You've got a bit of pastry, and then you've got the jam or whatever your filling is. That's a, a tart. But when you, when the stuff is in the middle. Is that a tart still? You, no, but listen, the thing is about it, that a Pop-Tart, yes, there's jam in the middle, no butter. Scalding but hot jam. Hotter than the sun. Mm. Uh, if, if the Falcons did take over the plane, but the plane was also serving Pop-Tarts, the Pop-Tarts could be used as weapons against the Falcons. <laughs> they could be <laughs> thrown towards them and they would detonate on impact. Mm. But 
the, the reason it's not a sandwich is that although the jam is in the middle, it is sealed around the outside. And I don't think sandwiches are sealed. Oh, hang on. It, you're so wrong. You're see, what, what happens uh, when you put your cheesy uh, in your Breville, in your Breville toaster? No, I've with just a thought, well, you've just You've completely fucked your own argument there. But it's not bread. Well, look, uh, I think the only way to, uh, to figure this out is to uh, turn to that bastion of truth, Wikipedia. And what does if Wikipedia, Wikipedia say? Know, then who will? Pop-Tarts is a brand of rectangular, pre-baked convenience food toaster pastries. So that's what they are. Oh, Re- narrow it down, mate. Rectangular, pre-baked convenience food toaster pastries. That's what they are. They're not sandwiches. They're rectangular, pre-baked convenience food toaster pastries. I mean, I just Googled Pop-Tart sandwich, and on UrbanDictionary.com, there is a thing, a Pop-Tart sandwich, a creation consisting of two Pop-Tart toaster pastries stacked <laughs> in between... I think that's the English is wrong. It's a stacked in between a layer of peanut butter and heated until the peanut butter is warm. I think it must mean either side of a layer of peanut butter. All so right. a sandwich whereby the two pieces of bread are, the are pop-tart. both Pop-Tarts. Oh. Yeah, that does sound good, actually. Oh, it sounds pretty diabetes-y to me, though, in fairness. Yeah, but, I mean, I've probably got that already, so for me, the, the risk is, is relatively low. Yeah, the only thing that, you know, is left ahead of you is just discovery now. What is it that I've got? And, what are all these ailments? When are you going to tell me I've yeah. got them, you know? It's a magical mystery adventure. Discovery and ultimately death. <laughs> uh, but I think that the Pop-Tarts will accelerate the process. So, all right. Um, I, why not? I mean, it's not a sandwich is what we've is what we've decided. Okay. Well, hopefully that clears things up for Boris. Uh, so if anybody asks what a Pop-Tart is, he can tell them that it is a rectangular pre-baked convenience food toaster pastry. Indeed. Um, so there you go. Um, right. Absolutely. Right, right, right. So uh, between Satan's Helicopters, uh, Show Me the Pudding, and uh, your Whoopie Long, I think this has been uh, quite the episode. Uh, we, we should, we should so those who go. say there's nothing to talk about in the summer, <laughs> take that, guys. Yes, you can stick that where the sun don't shine. Uh, we <laughs> will have, I don't know whether we'll be, uh, whether I'll do another podcast this week because of the week that's in it. You never know. Who knows? If I can put something together for Friday, I might do that. But if not, we will be back uh, next week next Monday to talk about all the uh, the big signings that we've made uh, how much we've uh, spent of that 130 million pounds that you reckon we're going to spend and how much we've brought in of the 45.5 million pounds we've estimated that we will get from player sales so until then have a great week and uh, we'll catch you on the next one bye bye this holiday season treat yourself Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. 